out there in podcast world, this is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen coming to you live on tape from my undisclosed location here in Columbia, Missouri, joined by the miracle of technology from their undisclosed locations throughout the state on the boards. Philip Prasica. Hi, Philip. Hey, happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. And uh, for our special guest uh, appearance today, uh, making her debut as a soul as as a kind of a solo guest. Yeah, we got that drum. We got the drums going. Tori Cheatham, how are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. First time, so looking forward. First to- time, long time. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> they say on the sports programs. Uh, am I? I'm not saying your last name right, Tori Cheatham. You you uh, messed it up a little bit. It's Cheatham. Cheatham. Yeah, that's a you weird know, one. Fun fact: I still say Andrew Lanier's name incorrectly half the time, and I've worked with him for three and a half years. <laughs> and this is true. We had an employee who worked here who I had her name misspelled in my phone for two years until she got married and that's the only time I changed it. And then I misspelled it again. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, all of our listeners, you have a little bit of a glimpse into what it's like to work for me. Um, So we're here, Tori, we, we brought you on here. Now we've talked about this topic before, but we want to talk again about our, our kind of, initial work some 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 research work we've been doing with uh, the rural electric cooperatives in our state and you know starting this summer we have been working with a group of uh, national uh, advocates such as ourselves and other states kentucky minnesota um where else are these people from, Philip? Uh, I know they're they're kind of in the northern part of the of the of the of the country, and they're from like the southeast part of the country. Am I missing anybody? Oh boy! <laughs> uh, uh, Montana was in there as well. Montana. Okay. Um, yeah, Montana. And, and so we've been talking about how we're going to be dealing with a, a transition from uh, more coal-heavy uh, investments uh, for generation of, of energy for these rural electric cooperatives to something cleaner. And one of the things that we did uh, in trying to um, work on this project was we wanted to get input from um, our supporters, from the public. And so Tori, uh, who, you know, I, you know I, I forgot to leave this part out because I just want to talk about how bad I am with uh, being respectful of, of my employees. You have been with us since April working on policy outreach and education work. And you and I worked together on developing a way to do this outreach to find this out. Correct. So why don't you why don't you tell us a little bit about it? <laughs> yes, I would love to tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> the, the question in, in tone at the end of that. Okay, so yes, so what we did was we created an online survey 
and to basically hear from these uh, REC members in Missouri on what they uh, what they want from their utility in terms of clean energy projects. So uh, we asked a series of questions um, asking about their opinions on clean energy projects. Uh, for example, what was least important to them or most important, what they would support. Um, mm -hmm. And so that, that's kind of just the gist, the background of what we were trying to achieve with this survey. Right, right. Yeah, so, okay, so we, we, we put this together. Uh, we sent it out to our supporters. I mean, we have a, a fairly lengthy uh, list of emails from people all over the state, even outside of the state. But we focus on trying to reach out to um, our, um, our supporters who are in the rural parts of Missouri, uh, we have about 800 um, emails on that. So we reached out to all of them. And then we also reached out to uh, people on our social media uh, pages. And, and Tori, you helped with that too, right? Yeah, we, uh, we did that through some uh, paid advertisements. And uh, what's great about those advertisements is that you can actually target audiences. And so we took the zip codes from where these people lived, where there were rural electric cooperatives and targeted um, ads towards them right. uh, to take this survey. Uh, so that was, that was pretty helpful in getting people to respond. Yeah. It's like, uh, what do they call it? It's that uh, micro targeting that is, uh, that is so hot these days. <laughs> um, so when you hear about stuff like how political campaigns are trying to specifically focus on certain voters and that sort of thing to try to get their message out. Uh, well, we can do that stuff too. So welcome to the brave new world. So just before we start getting into some of the results, I mean, you know, it's always important to, to remind folks again of the, the footprint that rural, rural electric cooperatives, the RECs that Tori referenced. Again, another one of those TLAs, three letter acronyms that we're so fond of in the energy world. Uh, rural electric cooperatives, okay, so in Missouri, uh, if you live in a rural area, if you live in the country, more than likely you are going to be receiving your power from an REC. Uh, there are some rural areas that are served by Airman and Evergy, specifically uh, Evergy West, uh, which used to be, you know, KCPNL Greater Missouri Operations before they merged. Um, but uh, but yeah, if you live in a if you live in in most of if you live in most of the geographical swath of Missouri, you have REC. Yet they only uh, serve about fifteen percent of of um, of our our energy uh, needs here in the state. So um, there's forty one of them. There's 41 rural electric cooperatives entirely within the state of Missouri. If you count two of them that are also in other states, there's 43. So there's a lot. And then they get their power from these uh, six generation and transmission organizations or GNTs as we call them. And all six of those uh, tend to buy their uh, power from a wholesale supplier called Associated Electric, which is based in Springfield. Um, but that also can cover um, Oklahoma as well, parts of Kansas. So um, it is complicated. It is uh, extensive. There are a lot of people making decisions on this. So a lot to factor in. 
Um, so we reach out to these people, Tori, you target these people, we find them. So uh, what did you, I mean, so what were we at? I mean, you kind of mentioned what some of the questions were. What did we ask people to fill out on this? Yeah, well, first I, I want to cover how many people responded. So we had 170, oh, yeah. um, 170 people responded, which was, you know, a pretty good number for us. That's a pretty high response rate, I think. And then uh, we actually had 39 different uh, people from, sorry, from different uh, rural electric cooperatives. So that was, uh, that was a pretty, we represented a lot of the uh, recs or uh, in the state so so if we're talking about 39 recs are being represented there and we have 43 uh distributing power we got almost all of them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that was that was really a good geographic spread from the respondents one thing i will be very proud of and and we're gonna and here's another thing i should point out we're gonna we put all this into a memo we're gonna send that out with this podcast um the the most we got from was webster electric if you look at the map, and that's because that's where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> so my people down in Webster County did a good job by helping me with that. So for all you people who tend to complain that I focus too much on Kansas City and St. Louis because I'm some sort of like urban liberal type, I'm, I'm actually from like, I guarantee you, I am more country than anyone listening to this podcast right now. So, okay, so we, we had 170 semi participants which I think we were kind of aiming for anywhere from 100 to 150. So that was good. We overshot that. We got most of the rural electric cooperatives represented in this. So what do we ask them? Yeah, so we asked them uh, some pretty insightful questions. One of them was, uh, you know, what uh, projects you would like to see your utility uh, fund with these debt savings. And uh, the, the project with the highest support was utility-wide solar energy. And that had a, approximately 65% of people who respond to the survey support um, utility-wide solar. Right, so you mentioned something about debt. Um, so to kind of remind people of what we're doing, and this is, this you'll see this in the memo. Um, one of the reasons why Missouri got targeted uh, to work on this project was because uh, there's there's an there's an effort going on to um, help rural electric cooperatives uh, with this kind of economic downturn that we've got going on with this COVID related pandemic, um, and to try to give them some financial assistance. One of the things that's been proposed is uh, relieving and retiring the debt they have in their coal plants. I mean, one of the reasons it's hard to retire a coal plant, to close a coal plant to stop operating a coal plant is because there is so much money uh, still tied into it. So if we shut that down, that debt is going to have to still be paid off, even though it's still not being operated, power is not being sold from it. And so the concern is that cost would be transferred to consumers, to you. We don't want that. We don't like that. We're trying to avoid that while shutting down these plants. So one of the ideas was this debt, under this, under this potential proposal would get um, retired. The plants would have to be closed down. And in turn, that money that was being saved would go to clean energy projects. And to which, if you wanted to know which ones were most popular among the people we did, you said 65% of them said solar, solar energy, right? That's, that's correct, yes. Right, because right now, like the, the rural electric cooperatives don't, 
they don't get very much, if any, of their power from solar at all. Um, you know, the, the co-ops, Associated Electric, when you talk to them, they'll talk a lot about how 20% uh, of their uh, generation, their portfolio comes from renewable sources. But that is including, because the law in Missouri says it can be including, um, hydro sources, dams. And if you are a core lake, if you're a core managed lake in Missouri, and we have several of those, um, by law, they have to sell the power they generate from those dams to the co-ops. Do you know that, Tori? I did not know that. Well, that's, that's right. So we don't have much solar, but that seems to be what rural, these, these folks and these rural electric cooperatives, these owner members said. Right. So, yeah. So, I just so, wanted to add one more thing. That yeah. Closely after solar was actually um, broadband was mm -hmm. 60%. So that was also a very highly uh, uh, supported project. Yeah, and, and I will tell you in the side conversations I've had with our supporters and with other people who we've just talked about this project with, broadband is a very, very big deal right now, especially for rural parts of the state. We don't have very good rural broadband access. High-speed internet in rural areas is a real problem. Um, it was a problem prior to this year just because it, 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 it hindered productivity with workplaces and with working from home. I would say it is a larger crisis now because if you have rural school districts that, you know, do not have in uh, in-person schooling and you're trying to get kids to do classes and to take instruction from their homes and their internet's not working, well, that's a that's a that's a big problem. Yep that that is a. Wow. Uh... <laughs> Definitely, it would be a, uh, is definitely a problem that probably uh, needs to be addressed. Because I, yeah, because I'll tell you, I've I've been I've been I've been in Webster County a lot the past uh, couple of weeks. I, I mentioned this in the last podcast. I've had kind of a family situation I'm dealing with, and um, uh, you know, I actually my 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 family has pretty decent internet access. But if you go to, I might send this out too. There was an article done by the Columbia Missourian about the, the challenges that some students are facing. And uh, the, uh, the profile was on a family that is from my town, which uh, by the way, only has about a hundred people in it. So the fact that they were able to even find my town, <laughs> Elkland, Missouri, no one has heard of that. I can promise you on, a, I mean, if, if anybody could have found that on a map, um, you know, you can see it is, it's not very far from Springfield. Springfield, by the way, which is the third largest city in the state, the third largest metropolitan area in the state, including um, Webster County, which is in the metropolitan area. Um, and yet these kids that live in Webster County could not get access to their school could not get access to their to their lessons on a consistent basis, according to that article. Not great, not great. So so obviously broadband's um, critical and important, uh, especially uh, right now. What else was popular on there? What else? Well, we had pretty good support for energy efficiency grants and loans. Um, okay. Followed by community solar. So All right. those, were, those were, you know, not as much as the other ones, but definitely people are interested in those projects. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, and I think it's important because we mentioned uh, solar being uh, the most important uh, component, but community solar is a little different. And it's confusing to some because I think it's, it's, uh, it's got different meanings. Um, when, when like say Ameren, Missouri talks about community solar, that's referring to a specific program they offer. That's the name of that program. That is, is actually more of a solar subscription program where if you uh, don't have solar on your house or don't have solar on your business and your small business, you can subscribe to that and you have to pay a premium for it. That's when we talk about community solar, that's what Ameren means. When we talk about it, or when we're trying to, uh, uh, you know, discuss it as something important for uh, this survey, was whether or not it could be uh, something that a neighborhood or a subdivision um, could have, basically, a solar array that they share, a communal solar array, community solar, and which right now the law uh, in Missouri does not allow for. And when I say it doesn't allow for that you could do it, but the utility companies won't let you do it. So there has to be kind of an explicit law out there that says it. And so, um, you know, even if there's a law or not, we wanted to test to see whether or not that was a popular concept, because if it was, it would be something that this money could be used earmarked to um, the co-ops. So Tori, um, in regards to like, well, I mean, we, we asked a lot, I think we had 10 uh, topics we asked people about what was like, what bottomed out? What, what were things that people were not interested in that we thought they might be? Well, um, one of the things that people weren't really interested in was uh, electric vehicle charging stations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the questions we asked was to rank uh, most important energy project and least energy, most important, least important energy project and um, renewables was ranked number one and uh, electric vehicle charging stations were ranked uh, last. So Mm. that was, uh, that was interesting. But, and we also asked another question that was, um, you know, would you be interested if there was more EV charging stations in owning a vehicle? Mm -hmm. 50% of people said they would be more interested. So Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a discrepancy in what people May, may want in terms of EV charging? Well, it's a chicken and the egg problem, right? Like right now, uh, there's a belief that maybe people don't have EVs uh, because there's no charging stations. They're worried, they have range anxiety. They're worried about whether or not they're going to be able to leave their house and if they run out of juice, uh, whether they'd be able to charge it again. But there's also a sense that um, maybe um, in the absence of, I mean, you know, yeah, the question is, you know, but if people aren't buying EVs, why do they need charging stations? And so it's, it's you know, utility companies, uh, you know, we, we deal with this. Ameren, Evergy in, in particular have, have put a lot of time and effort into uh, deploying um, EV charging stations in their service territories, which is, which is largely St. Louis and Kansas City. Ameren has kind of branched out. They're, they're trying to develop a network uh, down I-44, down I-70, down I-55, the three interstates that go through St. Louis. Um, and they're trying to, they're kind of trying to generate interest. I mean, listen, uh, those are good for utility companies. That's more power for them to sell. Um, right now in Missouri, a lot of experts will tell you our, um, our demand is a little flat. We don't have a lot of increase in need for power right now. So I, you know, the utility companies are looking at that with some concern. 
Um, we have to look at it, you know, to the extent of like, you know, when we're talking about building more wind, building more solar, you know, what, what is that going to look like 20 years from now? What's the population of Missouri going to look like? And so having EV charging stations or EVs is something that um, will increase the a need for power. Um, but it's also, I mean, the, the other thing that is important to realize too, for especially for rural electric cooperatives, is that, um, you know, a lot of the people that will be using it aren't customers. People driving through, people stopping at hotels and staying the night on Highway 36 in northern, um, in northern Missouri or Highway 60 in southern Missouri. Um, you know, that, so maybe there's a bit of a disconnect in between uh, who is living in these uh, rural electric cooperatives, these owner members versus who would be using it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Um, there's also one other thing I wanted to uh, highlight about the survey. Um, we did yeah. ask, uh, you know, in general, if people would support uh, using these coal debt savings uh, uh, from the closed coal plants to for clean energy projects. And it was an interesting response. You know, we had 58% of the respondents say, yes, they would support and 34% saying they don't know, and then less than 10% saying no. And so that kind of shows how that there's a, you know, people may not even know what that means. You know, what, how does that affect them? They don't really know what to even think about it. So definitely it's something uh, for Renew Missouri to be interested in, in terms of uh, education. And yeah, because I mean, I think, because you know, here's the thing, you know, yeah, because I have, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people about this when we sent this out. We got some of these questions. I mean, one, I think the people who are opposed to, you know, closing down coal plants, retiring the debt, well, they live in communities where these coal plants are. Uh, they employ people there. Uh, you know, the co-ops, this is a good segue. The co-ops have two coal uh, burning uh, plants in Missouri. They have one at Thousand Hills, which is in Northern Randolph County. It's about an hour north of Columbia here, and there's one in uh, New Madrid County, which is in the boot heel of Missouri. It's about, oh, I want to say three and a half hours south of St. Louis. I mean, it's, you know, it's essentially Arkansas or Tennessee. I mean, that's just, that's where it is in the state. It's very south. And those areas are very rural and they're very poor. And some of the best paying jobs in those areas are at those coal plants. And so, yes, I, I completely uh, appreciate and empathize the anxiety uh, that people might be looking at if something happened to those plants. That they, they, they see that as a life force in their towns. So one of the things, you know, that's, that's one thing. I mean, now what I think is important to know and that we, that as Tori pointed out, that we need to really emphasize when we're moving forward in promoting this uh, concept that uh, we're trying to work on with the rural electric cooperatives, or even this legislation that we're looking at, uh, in, uh, you know, supporting in uh, winter of 2021 with the legislature involving investor-owned utilities, is that these coal plants are to close down. I mean, the power is going to have to be generated from other sources: wind, solar, um, batteries to store them. Um, even energy efficiency is going to become a, a common factor in that. And, you know, those are going to require uh, 
people to work too. So retraining uh, the people who worked at these coal plants, trying to get people to you know learn new skills so they can do energy efficiency work, so they can work on uh, solar panels, so they can work on wind turbines. That's going to be important. I mean, Tori, and a matter of fact, you were sending around an article uh, today, which I, I haven't had a chance to read because we're, we're working on a deadline for another project, which we'll talk about some other day, I imagine, um, that, uh, that talked about some of the things that coal miners are being uh, retrained to do in other parts of the country. And you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I kind of just skimmed over it, but it definitely um, offered some interesting policy solutions and support to transition these communities and co-workers into, you know, a more um, into clean energy uh, jobs. And so one of them, you know, the, it had a whole list of uh, federal policies and programs that are proposed and some exist and some have stopped. And so, um, but one of them was, you know, retraining uh, fossil fuel workers to uh, work and install, uh, what's it called? Those cables for the- Fiber optics. Fiber optic and uh, install broadband. So that was one yeah. of the really neat uh, solutions to this uh, potential tr transition. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, there are, I mean, like, look, I, yeah, like I said, I mean, uh, we shut down coal plants, there is still going to be a need for power, there's still going to be a need for these utilities to be providing services. And it's my belief that if an employee is young enough, and still has enough time on their career, they should be able to uh, be trained to do this other work. Now, I, I'm also trying to push, especially with this federal legislation, that if like an employee is of a certain age, like say 55 or older, they should be given early retirement. I don't, I don't have any, I don't, I'm not so out of touch that I think that you should be telling 55 year old uh, coal plant employees, they should go learn how to code, which is kind of one of those smug things that people say when, <laughs> when, when, when working class folks are, are kind of frozen out of a job. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really think that's that's viable. I think that, you know, trying to take care of them and making sure that they are able to retire and have a good living after they've, you know, worked at a coal plant for 30 years, I think that is important. I don't think we should just, you know, discard them because we think that there's better ways of producing power. My take. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, that, that like, infrastructure needs to be in place to support these people you know we can't just transition and leave them behind they're you know parts of the community and they need they need to be employed yeah. and be, be trained to keep up with um technology and th those that sort of thing so yeah because i mean i mean ultimately there are a lot i mean like when you look at rural parts of this state again where i'm from um you know we have seen the economy bottom out there and a lot of things. Farming um, in Missouri is not like it was 30, 40 years ago. Uh, industries in towns uh, that are, um, that are, um, that are, um, that are, you know, that are not coming back. They're either, they were either uh, outsourced to other countries 
or that they were deemed redundant by advanced technologies. Because, I mean, that's that's one thing I think gets lost in our current political conversation. And I think that's something we have to talk about with clean energy is, yes, we have technological innovations that have made some positions um, obsolete. Um, you don't have as many bank tellers as you used to. You don't have as many factory workers as you used to because there's automation there for that. So, um, you know, it's, it, but it is to say that just because that's the reality doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing something about it, that we shouldn't be trying to help that. And this, um, this financing, this bailout that we're talking about, Philip just sent me a note. I, I hope Philip is still there. I know he kind of was, um, he was, uh, he was having trouble coming in. I don't know. He's in Kansas city. He should, um, he should be enjoying all that fast net, uh, fast speed internet there. Um, he was, he's talking about the, uh, the flexible financing for rural America. That's Senate bill 4152. Uh, and that looks at, um, <laughs> that does look at the $10 billion bailout due to COVID. Um, now the thing that's important to know about that bill, we've been talking about all these conditions we want to do these conditions we've been talking about. Uh, this bill does not have those conditions. That's what we're trying to add. And Philip just mentioned that he does use Google fiber. So, um, oh, whoops. I didn't have my phone on site. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I just wish people would leave me alone. Um, we can keep that in, by the way, Philip, in case you're listening. I guess you are listening because you're talking to us uh, with your bad internet service. <laughs> like, you remember when like Google Fiber was supposed to be like the next big thing? Like, it was such a big deal that Kansas City got that. Like Kansas City and Austin, Texas were the only two places that got that on the in the country, and now everyone just hates it. <laughs> what what is it? It's like it's like fiber optics. It's like Google has like an internet system. It's like um, I think that's what it is. I mean, I remember like yeah, about nine years ago when when my now wife then girlfriend lived in Kansas City. Uh, that was a big deal. Like, as a matter of fact, real estate agents were putting it on their listings. Like, oh, this area is like suited by Google Fiber. And now everyone just curses it. <laughs> oh, which is an, um, oh, it is connected with a fiber optic cable and it is through Google. Well, that wasn't very helpful, but I appreciate the effort, Philip. Um, so <laughs> he just literally described Google Fiber. I got it. <laughs> Um, so we like to tease Philip on the podcast. Um, so Tori, I mean, what else did we do with this? We need to get back to this. Google, Google's not going to let us uh, use, use any of their stuff anymore if I keep trashing them. What else did we do with this survey? If anything. Um, well, you know, we did get some, uh, demographic information. Oh, uh, we did. Yeah. What did we learn from that? Well, we learned, um, let's see, majority of the respondents uh, own the houses they, or own where they live, basically. Uh, it's like 88%. So that wasn't really too surprising. Um, only 15% of the people responded were uh, solar customers. So they had solar installed. Right. Was, uh, you know, fairly interesting. I don't know if that's higher or lower compared to other It's higher. I mean, but you have to keep in mind that we are, we sent this out to our supporters and a lot of our supporters are solar customers. Right. Yeah. I mean, I bet that people who responded were more interested in clean energy projects than 
people who don't respond. So they're probably more likely to have solar than someone who- Not doesn't. a scientific survey. <laughs> yes, we should point that out. This is not okay. <laughs> scientific methods. Right. But still relevant nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. So 15% of them were solar customers. Anything, did we learn anything about like um, minority representation on this? Well, you know, not surprisingly, 95% uh, of the respondents are uh, white or Caucasian. So that was mm -hmm. um, not, not too surprising, but yeah. <laughs> and that really is kind of representative of uh, rural Missouri. I mean, it is very homogenous. It is very white. Um, you know, there are areas in Southeast Missouri and we did try to reach out. I, I did try to reach out to some of these activists and groups that we work with down there try to make sure that uh, their supporters filled this out because I did want, because I do think that that, um, that they do have larger challenges with their cooperatives. That's something we work with them a lot on. Um, we haven't really made a big, uh, we haven't done anything prolific with it yet because it's um, some of it's more systematic than it is just with anything that can be done through the legal system. So it's more about uh, just how those are, are structured. Um, nothing illegal necessarily. Um, so we, we work with these kind of minority majority population areas down in Southeast Missouri and trying to work with them. So, but they're also, but that the, the important part about that is those areas also see people working at those coal plants. And so even though uh, a lot of our supporters down there want to see more access to renewable energy, they don't necessarily want to see the coal plant shut down. So something to keep in mind as well. Um, so now we have this survey information. Uh, we have kind of presented it. I mean, so, I mean, what do you, I mean, so what do you think our next steps are here, Tori? What are we going to do with this? What do we need to do? I think you kind of mentioned something about our concerns about what people understand about cold debt, but I mean, what, what do you want to do with this information? Hmm. That is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> what do I think I we talked about how we want to educate people about what the cold debt issue really means, right? right. I think, I think this survey really paints that picture that there needs to be some sort of like tailored education campaign for, you know, individuals living in these counties. And I would, I would really love to get, you know, better data on rural count, uh, these members, because, you know, this was not a scientific survey, but if we could right. get more data and maybe do it a little bit more scientifically, I think that would actually be really helpful. And um, I think the volunteer bias with sometimes survey data, that basically means that, you know, you're more likely to take, like, there's a bias in the data because you're volunteering to take it. And so if right. we were to, you know, have more people take it, I think that we could actually get maybe even a better look at um, what these people are thinking. So that, I think that would be a interesting way to go forward. Yeah, well... We'll, we'll see where this goes. I mean, this is part of a larger project. We are hopefully going to be using that to do more work in rural areas. I mean, like right now, you know, I mean, it bears repeating that a lot of what Renew Missouri does is, uh, is, 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 is centered around what we get funding for. Uh, yes, of course, right now we get uh, a lot of support from our individual um, uh, supporters. We appreciate that. You probably, if you're listening to this, got our year-end appeal last weekend or earlier this week. So um, we would love to have your support from that. But we also get a lot of our big uh, funding from grants uh, that have specific things we have to do. 
And that's what guides us. And, and if you want to know why we do a lot of work in front of the Public Service Commission in Jefferson City is because, you know, our largest grants um, are directing us to do that work. And that's why we have so many lawyers here is because we have to be, uh, you know, we have to have law licenses to appear in front of that body. So, yeah, so that's, that's and so like we're really trying to do more work with the cooperatives, with member owners in uh, the rural parts of the state, uh, it's important to me because that's one, where I'm from. And two, I do think that a lot of environmental groups don't focus on those areas and they should. Um, and three, I just think there's a real opportunity there. I think there's a real economic opportunity there uh, for these communities to, to benefit from, from, this, from, this, uh, from renewable energy and energy efficiency. So, Stay tuned. Tori, do you have anything else you want to add or pitch? Well, there is one thing that I did forget to mention. Um, This wasn't our survey, but we did um, draw some data from the Yale climate opinion maps. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. um, You know, these are uh, some really awesome uh, data maps on how Americans perceive climate change and climate change policy. Uh, so they ask a whole bunch of questions and they actually stratify the data by um, like county and where you live. And so we were able to look at, you know, specific rural counties where, uh, you know, we did our study and look at what they were able to find. And, you know, from a statewide perspective, this, uh, the report shows that, you know, 86% of adults in Missouri actually support funding uh, into research for renewable sources. So that's a very high, very high percentage of support. And that, you know, kind of represents, you know, follows what our survey says that, you know, we, they want people want renewable energy and, you know, I want to support that uh, kind of project. So. Yeah, I, I think we learned about that. Uh, I, I found an article that was talking about that. And then you and I called them. You call, I think you reached out to them and then we had a call with them to kind of talk about some of that data. It's interesting. I mean, it shows there is a lot of appeal for this, but I think, you know, like, like one thing I've found in, 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 the, in the three or so odd years I've been doing this, and I think what you'll find as you continue working here is people want these things. They just don't really know how to affect that change. So it's our job to help them know how they can be a part of that solution. Right. And I think it's important to let you know, other people know that other people want this change. Like, I think some people yeah. think that, you know, there's like this huge push against, you know, renewables and, you know, I think if we just let people know that, you know, they this is popular, people want this, then that, that helps push that goal forward. Yeah, I, that's a, that's a good point, Tori, because I, I do think some people say, oh, well, this is this a fringe issue? Is this a liberal issue? Uh, no, our experience has been that uh, across political lines, across ideological lines, and, and the vast majority of people in the state want this. They are interested in it, they think it's important, um, and it doesn't really matter if it's for the same reasons they like it, because there's a lot of different reasons to like renewable energy. There's a lot of reasons to like energy efficiency. It's cheaper, <laughs> is, is, a, is a good one. It, it like helps you control uh, your, your independence uh, instead of just simply relying on a utility company to provide you power that you know, that's important to people, especially in rural parts of the state. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, yeah, that's absolutely right. People tend to feel more confident about what they're, what they're saying when they know that 
uh, their neighbors think that too. Good thought. And I guess we'll probably add a link to that too when I send this out. Ooh, this email is going to be so um, rich, so busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why you're going to be getting it uh later than usual uh where we usually send those out on thursdays this one will probably go out on friday because we have deadlines and we're very busy um so friday uh, this week this is being recorded on the 19th of november uh friday is going to be a little less busy at least for me and i think that's when we're going to try to get that out so um outside of the survey tori is there anything else that you think our fine listeners should listen should should know about I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, and Tori, thank you for joining. I know you had a you had a busy day today, so I know that we had to kind of do this later in the afternoon to uh, ensure that you could do it. Uh, one thing I want to plug, and one thing that you have been working on as well, is uh, we're going to be sending this out. We're going to be really promoting this in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be doing a webinar on uh, energy equity and environmental racism, uh, featuring our friend, Justin Eidelberg, who does a lot of work with us on our energy efficiency for all work. Another thing Tori's doing um, a lot of great work on our, our EFA um, outreach um, in the Midwest. Uh, Justin will be doing uh, this, uh, this webinar with us on December 18th from noon to one. It is $75 to do it, but you know what? As I said, we're asking for money right now. It's the end of the year. We really need it. So, you know, if you want to give us money, if you're thinking about giving us 50 bucks or 75 bucks or 100 bucks, you might as well do it through that. Um, and then you get something for it instead of just, you know, a warm, fuzzy feeling. So we'll be getting more information about how you can sign up for that. We have an Eventbrite uh, link to that. Um, and so we hope you join us because I think it's going to be really exciting. Don't you, Tori? I do. And I work with Justin on uh, the MoIFA work we do. And he's, oh, right. he's great. He is really knows his stuff and he's really interesting to talk to. So anyone who he does do the IFA stuff too, though, because that's when I met him. The IFA? Wait, yeah. What? yeah. Yeah. That's what he works on too. Okay. Okay. I was like yeah, thinking, okay, like I didn't consultant for uh, yeah. our coalition. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to make sure I knew what was going on. <laughs> Sometimes I don't, especially with you St. Louis folks. Uh, I kind of just let you all just do whatever. Um, Cause you're good at it. I don't have to worry about you. So you, you all are very competent and very professional and that puts me at ease. It makes my job a lot easier. So I can worry about not preparing for these podcasts because <laughs> clearly we don't. Um, so yeah, you'll be getting information about that. Uh, Philip uh, apparently is having technical difficulties. I have no idea if Philip has anything he wants to share, and I guess uh, I don't. I guess I'm not going to care. For the time being. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Oh my gosh, okay. is that you, Santa? Okay. <laughs> Well, I would just say we're going to be doing uh, PSAs and a press release and a full push on our next steps after these memos and how we can get this in front of people and how we can expand our education to rural parts of the state. Oh, we are? Oh, we are going to be doing PSAs. That's something we're going to be doing with that larger group, right? Yes, and we might uh, be pulling in some of our in-state allies, so uh, stay tuned because we'll be oh. reaching out. <laughs> if you're listening, won't you be the lucky ones if we reach out to you? Um yeah. Oh, and also, I guess it's going to be important to note that we do in about two weeks have uh, pre-filing going on with the legislature. 
uh, for the 2021 session, if you can already believe that's happening, because I can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we hopefully, I, I don't really, uh, well, I, I was going to say, I don't think we are going to have a lot going on with energy uh, because we do um, have a lot of other things going on with the state right now, but there are going to be some things that are going to be uh, really, really noteworthy that I think you're all going to be pretty interested in. And I'm going to leave it at that for now because I'm not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> so, um, but it will be, it'll be, uh, it'll be really, uh, it'll be really fun if we can actually, if we actually feel like we can go to the Capitol building, which right now I don't. Uh, did you guys know that there was supposed to be a special session this week that the Senate, the state Senate canceled because they had too many staff members and senators that had COVID? Did you know that happened? No, I did not. But yeah. I'm not very surprised, to be honest. You shouldn't be, because uh, I, I can tell you uh, there is a state senator, and I'm not going to say their name, but they are saying when you meet with them, I'm not using uh, pronouns either, you might have noticed. Uh, so I don't want anyone to guess who it is. They are insisting people not wear a mask when they meet with them. <gasps> insisting on it. I, I was going to have a, a meeting with this person. And I, I learned this from a friend of mine who uh, lobbies for, for kids with special needs, family with kids with like disabilities Kids who are like kind of got like increased risks for, you know, immunity uh, problems. And so the fact that this senator was was insisting on that is um, I, I think almost veering on reckless, but I don't know. What do I know? So if anybody wants to uh, guess on who that is, why email me at james at Um Anyway. This has been Renew Gurus. <laughs> Tori, thank you. Thank you. I think this went on way too long. And now I'm probably going to be in serious trouble because I'm talking about things I'm not supposed to talk about. Uh, but we do, We and I also want to thank anybody who's listening who took the survey. Uh, we did promise that we were going to um, randomly select five people who took it or referred people for it. Um, they were, they're going to get $50 Amazon gift cards. We picked those people out. Four of them up to today have, um, given us their addresses. I'm still waiting on a fifth one. I don't hear from them. I guess we're only going to give up four. So, um, thank you for all for doing that. We really do appreciate that. And we appreciate everything you do. We appreciate you listening. If you're a fan, uh, subscribe to this on your major podcast providers, write a review, share it on your social media pages and keep. Uh, tuned in for all the stuff we're doing with co-ops and on behalf of myself Tori and Philip this is Renew Missouri signing off <laughs> <laughs>